Good morning. The reading this morning is Ruth chapter 1, uh, which you can find on page 267. That's page 267, Ruth chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabites' wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Marlon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would ye therefore wait till they were grown? Would ye therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now, thanks very much for reading uh, to us. As we begin this morning, a new four-talk series looking at the book of Ruth. A book which we'll see is all about the loving kindness of God. And so our aim over the next four weeks is simple. It's to be blown away. 
by this loving kindness. To marvel at, to savour, to appreciate afresh God's loving kindness to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, the word in the original is hesed. It comes up in 1 verse 8, 2 verse 20, 3 verse 10. There is no single equivalent word in English to translate it, but it speaks of a kindness which goes beyond the norm, a kindness of deep commitment, a kindness which expects nothing in return, it's merciful, it's gracious, it's full of love. This is the sort of kindness we're talking of. And it's the heartbeat of the book of Ruth, the loving kindness of God. As we look together at these four chapters, one chapter a week over the next four Sundays, we will see uh, God's loving kindness uh, towards a helpless widow named Naomi, as God transforms her life from emptiness to fullness, from bitterness to joy, from curse to blessing. We'll see God's loving kindness in the unexpected way he goes about this, bringing an outsider, a foreigner, a Moabitess named Ruth, into the chosen people of God. We'll see God's loving kindness in providing food and rest to both Ruth and Naomi through a redeemer named Boaz. But above all, we are going to see how this story of God's loving kindness to Ruth and to Naomi is actually part of a much larger and much more significant story. And that is the loving kindness God shows towards all his people in the Lord Jesus Christ. People just like you and me. Now, I don't know if you ever doubt God's kindness to you. If you ever think or feel that, well, you know, I don't feel God's for me, more like God's against me. Um, so there could be redundancy, uh, there could be broken relationships, there could be unfulfilled dreams, damaged hopes, a difficult illness, the death of a loved one. And you think, perhaps God's against me. Perhaps God, you know, he doesn't have my best interests at heart. When life is tough, when things don't go your way, when we're facing difficulties, especially when those difficulties are caused by our own sin, it's easy, is it not, to doubt God's goodness, his kindness to us? Perhaps God's punishing me for this. I know he's in control. He doesn't seem very kind and loving to me at the moment. So all of us, at some stage, are tempted to doubt God's kindness to us, which is why the book of Ruth is such a good tonic to our souls, because it is overflowing with God's loving kindness. A loving kindness where God does have our best interests at heart, a loving kindness where God does work out all things for the good of those who love him, a loving kindness which will drown out any doubts we have. So why don't we pray now and ask God to do just that for us, as we come to his word in Ruth chapter 1. Let me pray for us. Father God, we know that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. As we ask, Father, that you would equip us from the book of Ruth to fight any doubts or misunderstandings or confusions we have about your loving kindness. Please feed us from your word this morning. Please fill us with your loving kindness, help us to have a right view of the kind God that you are. Give us a right appreciation of your loving, kind plans 
for the universe. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn now to chapter 1 of Ruth. It's page 267, if you closed your Bibles. Chapter 1 of Ruth is split up into three scenes, and these three scenes will make up our three points. In the first scene, in Moab, we'll see God's loving kindness to Naomi is undeserved. In the second scene, on the way back from Moab, we'll see that God's loving kindness to Ruth is unexpected. And then when we get back to Bethlehem in scene three, we'll see why Naomi is so bitter towards God. There's an outline on the back of the service sheet. If you'd like to take notes uh, or write any questions, you may have a question time at the end. First then, God's loving kindness is undeserved because in verses 1 to 6, we see the absolutely dire situation into which God begins to act. In a time of sin and rebellion, both nationally and personally, God graciously acts. Let me read from verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Chilion. Now, for those of you who are familiar with Judges or the book of Deuteronomy, I imagine alarm bells are going off in your mind right now as you hear these verses. Does anyone know what the days of the Judges were like? It's chaos. Moral chaos. Anarchy sinful rebellion against God. So just glance across to the last sentence of the book of Judges. You can see it there in verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. As the book of Ruth opens, this is what it's like. It's some of the darkest times at this stage in Israel's history. There's no king, there's no leader, everyone's doing as they see fit, disobedience to God's word, rejection of God's rule. It's a time of utter rebellion against God. And in verse 1 we see the land, the roof gets cursed with famine. And what is really needed right now is repentance. What is needed is for people to come back to God, to confess their sins, to repent. But what does Elimelech do? Verse 1, he packs his bags, and takes his family off the pastures new in Moab, one of the sworn enemies of Israel. Repentance? I don't need repentance, I need food. And Moab looks good for that, so let's go there. It's a terrible move away from God, away from God's people, away from the source of God's blessing. It's terrible whenever people look to their material needs above their spiritual needs. Whenever people take their family away from church, from Christian friends, from loving fellowship, for the better job, the bigger home, the safer neighbourhood, that that is what Elimelech did. And in verse 3, he dies. Verse 3, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. So the focus now turns to Naomi as the head of the family. Will she return to God, will she turn back to her land, to her people? Will she repent? No, verse 4. She allows her two sons to marry unbelieving Moabite wives. Doesn't sound good. And instead of going home, they stay in Moab at the end of verse 4 for another 
10 years. More alarm bells. Naomi, just like Elimelech, still running from the Lord. And you know what? The curses keep coming. Verse 5, both Marlon and Chilean died. Room was left without the two sons and her husband. What a terrible picture as we start the book of Ruth. Sinful rebellion at the national level. Sinful rebellion at the personal level. And yet, into this dire, sinful, rebellious situation, God acts. Verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. This is the first time that the Lord is mentioned in Ruth, and one of only two places where God is mentioned in the active tense. And it only serves to highlight his gracious intervention. Despite the national sin, the Lord lovingly lifts the curse of famine and gives them food. And actually, for Naomi, despite her sin, the Lord's merciful to her, isn't he? Sparing her, not killing her off, but using the news of this food in the land to draw her back to him. And so right at the start of this book, a book all about God's loving kindness, we see that God's loving kindness is undeserved. There's no hint of repentance here from the people. They don't deserve the food. There's no hint of repentance here from Naomi. She doesn't deserve to be spared. But that's the point. God's loving kindness is undeserved. It is always God who makes the first move. Always God who takes the initiative. And so like the jilted husband who takes the initiative to go after his unfaithful, that wayward wife, bring her home, this is just how God acts towards his unfaithful, wayward people. It's loving kindness. It's totally undeserved. And it's no different to us, is it, for us? Now, God's loving kindness to us from the Lord Jesus is totally undeserved. If it weren't for God making the first move in our lives, We'd have been just like Elimelech, just like the two sons, trapped in our rebellion and sin, disobedient, running away from the Lord, facing the famine of God's judgment and eternal death. There really is nothing good in us that merits God's favour, nothing. And if you think there is, you're fooling yourself. We do not deserve God's loving kindness. But God being rich in mercy, he took the initiative in our lives. Because of the great love with which he loved us, God did make the first move. God visited us. God drew us to him. God gave us faith in the Lord Jesus. He opened our eyes to the truth of the gospel and he brought us home to him. We didn't deserve this loving kindness. We didn't merit it. But fortunately for us, God does not work on merit. God works on grace. Sheer, unadulterated, unadulterated mercy. That's the first thing that Ruth is telling us from chapter 1. God's loving kindness is undeserved. Secondly, God's loving kindness is unexpected. Because in verses 7 to 18, on the way back from Moab to Bethlehem, Naomi tries to persuade her two daughters-in-law to return back to Moab and not come with her. And there's an unexpected response from Ruth at the end. Let me read verse 7 
ีเ
about the marvellous things that the Lord had done for his people, rescuing them from slavery in Egypt, sending plagues on the enemies, parting the Red Sea, providing food, bread from heaven in the wilderness. Perhaps like Rahab before her, news had reached Moab of this almighty God, leading his people to victory, destroying cities like Jericho, triumphing over enemies, bringing them to a land flowing with milk and honey. Perhaps Ruth had come to realise, though she would never say it, that her parents had been foolish to leave Israel and come to Moab in the first place. Who knows? What we do know is that God was at work in Ruth's life. God was drawing Ruth to himself, a foreigner, a Moabitess, so that now with these two options before her, the road to Moab or the road to Israel, she wholeheartedly takes the road to Israel, to God's people, to God's land, to God himself. And she gives up everything to follow the God of Israel. Her sister, her family, her country, everything. She keeps it all up for the Lord. Incredible example of wholehearted faith. Now I suppose we can take it as an encouragement that Naomi's famous uh, did not keep Ruth from trusting in God. Your sin won't prevent God drawing people to himself. But more importantly, I hope we can see that God's loving kindness is unexpected. It's a theme that will be developed in the book as we continue to see God's work in Ruth's line. Even an outsider like Ruth can become part of God's people. So don't limit the bounds of God's loving kindness. Don't think anyone is outside the realm of his grace, of his loving kindness. If you ever think, well, God just, just couldn't save them, don't, he can. If you ever think, well, it's highly unlikely that this person would become a Christian, don't, because God's loving kindness is unexpected. It's undeserved, it's unexpected. Thirdly, God's loving kindness is overlooked. Because in verses 19 to 22, Naomi and Ruth return to Bethlehem. As we suggested before, all is not well with Naomi. Verse 19. <clears throat> so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? When the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. There's no exaggeration to say Naomi is a bitter old woman. Call me Mrs. Bitter, she says. That's my name now. So bitter am I at what God has done for me. I wonder what you make of Naomi's outbursts. Do you empathise with her brutal honesty before God? Do you feel some disdain towards her for sounding like a spoiled child? One thing's for sure, Naomi is clear on God's sovereignty. Naomi believes God's in control. You see that? She says it was God who did this. It was the Almighty who has dealt with me like this. It is the Lord who has brought me back. So Naomi, at least, is clear that God is absolutely sovereign over all things. That nothing in this world happens without God allowing it. Every breath we take 
every raindrop that falls, every second that ticks, the Lord God Almighty is in complete charge of everything. Which is certainly something we all need to be reminded of this morning. But what Naomi seems to be overlooking is the loving kindness of God. Yes, God's sovereign, she's right about that. But she's wrong about God's harshness. God is sovereign and he's kind. God is sovereign and he's lovingly kind. But Naomi, she seems to be blind to God's goodness in her life. God's loving kindness is, is overlooked. So think about it for a moment. It was only because of God's loving kindness that God spared her life back in Moab after ten years of rebellion and turning away from him. I went away full. No, you didn't. Unless you mean full of sin. Oh, the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. No, he hasn't. He's dealt very mercifully with you. And he spared your life, don't you see? It was only because of God's loving kindness that Ruth was now clinging to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. What a gift from God. But Naomi seems oblivious to it. I'm not sure if you noticed it, but after that most glorious profession of faith at by Ruth, do you see how Naomi reacts in verse 18? And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. I mean, nothing. No thanks. No, praise the Lord for his grace in your life. This is just nothing. The Lord has brought me back empty. No, he hasn't. Look around you. You're still alive. You've got Ruth. You're back home. You're with God's people now. Open your eyes. It was only because of God's gracious provision in the first place that the famine had stopped. And no one had been moved to come back home. The Lord has brought calamity upon me. No, he hasn't. He's graciously saved you from death. He's unexpectedly given you the gift of Ruth. And he's about to bless you abundantly, as we'll see in the rest of the chapters. We only get a little cliffhanger there at the end of verse 22. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Naomi, she's, she's blind to it. God's loving kindness is overlooked and she's left bitter, bitter before the Lord. <clears throat> now, I don't know what your view of God is this morning as a Christian, but if for any reason that you think God is against you as a Christian, if you view God as some harsh taskmaster, sort of waiting to punish you as soon as you make a mistake, chances are you'll end up like Naomi, bitter, angry, feel like life is empty. So if the job offer falls through, when your kids don't get into the right school, when relationships break down, when illness sets in, well, the bitterness will also set in if you view God as harsh and mean. And this becomes a downward spiral because the, as the weeds of bitterness take root in your heart, they blind you to God's loving kindness, to the very thing that can lift you up out of the darkness. But what Naomi couldn't see, at least for the moment, that we can see, because we know how the story of Ruth ends. So flip forward a couple of pages with me to chapter 4, verse 17. If you don't want to know how the story ends, shut your ears now. Although I think it's helpful to do so as we see how Ruth fits into the Bible as a whole. So here we go, verse 17. 
And the women of the neighbourhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Man, you see, it's just, just a brushstroke, just one brushstroke in the masterpiece of God's plan of salvation. A brushstroke which will take us from Naomi to King David, from King David to King Jesus, and in King Jesus we see the full, complete, and most awesome picture of God's loving kindness towards us. What Naomi couldn't see of God's loving kindness, we can see clearly and fully in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as we know, 1,200 years later, after Naomi, the Lord visited his people again. Not to give them physical food, but to give them the spiritual food of eternal life. In the person of Jesus Christ, God visited the world. And as Jesus died on the cross, he paid for sin once for all as a full and final demonstration of God's loving kindness to us. Yes, God could have dealt bitterly with us because of our sin. Yes, God could have rightly, justly brought calamity on us, consigning us to the emptiness of hell because of our sin. But marvellously, kindly, lovingly, Jesus Christ took it in our place. The calamity of God's judgment fell on him instead of us. And so God shows his love for us like this. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, do you see God's loving kindness towards you? Do you doubt God's love towards you this morning? Look at the cross. See Jesus dying in your place. See Jesus taking all the punishment that you deserve. See Jesus doing everything needed to bring you home to God. God is not against you. If you trust in Jesus, God is for you. If you trust in Jesus, you've been brought into God's salvation plan for the world. And he's at work in you now, making you more like Christ bringing you on to final salvation. God really does have your best interests at heart. It's not a harsh past master. He's your father now. You belong to him. He loves you dearly as his own son. And as the Apostle Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed we know that for those who love God, all things work together for our good. God really does have your best interests at heart if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not punishing you when things go wrong in your life. And what is a harsh past master? He's not punishing you when you're facing difficulties as a Christian, even when those difficulties are caused by your own sin. Now, it's not to say that God may well take us through the, the deep waters of pain, uh, of suffering, but that's, that's only to break our hard hearts to bring us closer to him, the source of true blessing. Yes, he may well discipline us as a father lovingly disciplines his son. He may be emptying us, so to speak, but only so that he can fill us with something much better. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. So don't overlook the loving kindness of God. Don't become bitter as you lose sight of God's sovereign love to you in Jesus. A bitter heart will melt before the loving kindness of God. So soak yourself in it these four weeks. Read the book of Ruth. 
marvel afresh at the cross of Christ this morning, a loving kindness totally undeserved, a loving kindness totally unexpected, and a loving kindness that really will move you to cry out and keep crying out, your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you for your loving kindness to us in the Lord Jesus. A loving kindness we know we didn't deserve, a loving kindness so unexpected. And yet a loving kindness that we long to treasure all the days of our lives. And so help us, by your Holy Spirit, to do just that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,